Welcome to A History of the Inca. Episode 25, Inca Roads. Hello and welcome once again to A History of the Inca. I am your host, Nick Mashinsky. For those of you who don't follow the show on Twitter, at Inca Podcast, well, first you're missing out on quite a few photos about the Inca. However, you're also missing out on announcements. Last week, I announced that the show has expanded its offerings on Patreon. At our $7 Caraca tier is a sticker with the show's logo to display your love for the show. Next, at our $12 Inca tier, you will get not only the sticker, but a coffee mug with the show's logo so you can sip a nice cup of joe as you listen to your favorite Inca podcast. Finally, at our $18 tier, we have the Sapa Inca level. Here you not only get the sticker and the coffee mug, but a poster of the Inca's most well-known monument, Machu Picchu. Each tier requires a commitment of three months to get the items, part of Patreon's terms for merchandise, but you'll also get all the benefits of the lower tiers as well. Shout out on the podcast, name on the website, and access to Tales of the Andes. Listener James has already taken advantage of our new tiers, supporting the show at the Inca level. James will soon enjoy a nice cup of coffee from his new mug and be able to show off his love for the podcast with his own sticker. Thank you for your support, James. So if you're interested in supporting the show, go over to Patreon and take a look. There is no harm in taking a look at what is there. But the very least, you should follow the show on social media to get extra content and announcements. Now then, last time we discussed the Inca military, and we found out that in terms of training and technology, things tended to be pretty equal throughout the Andes. With the exception being that on the eastern side of the Andes, there were groups that had bows and arrows. But at this point, this technology wasn't a component of the army. The Inca would be able to call on a larger number of forces, but as we will see, they will face large coalitions as well, and these will challenge them. So what gave the Inca military an edge over other groups in the Andes? Well, the Inca were able to move quickly over the landscape, as well as keep their large army fed while out on campaign. And they were able to do this thanks to the large road and infrastructure system they were able to construct. King components that played into their battle strategies, and of course, their logistics. Enjoy. Let's start by discussing arguably the most important pieces of infrastructure for the Inca. Roads. An individual, let alone an entire army, would not make it far in the Andes without them. Now, the Inca were not the inventors of roads in this area of the world. Roads were around well before the Inca. In fact, many groups had them, including the Wari, who built several major roads that were later adopted and repaved by the Inca. However, to quote Maria Rostworowski de Conseco, few nations in the 15th century possessed such fantastic road complexes as that of Tawatin Suyu. Indeed, the Inca really improved and expanded the roads in the Andes with the Capacnan, or the Inca Royal Highway. 
It is estimated that the Inca were responsible for between 30,000 and 50,000 kilometers of road, or between 19,000 and 31,000 miles. However, it is believed that only 25% of this road system is original today. Regardless of its status today, the Royal Highway extended from modern-day Chile all the way to Quito. And while the Inca reclaimed old roadways, they did commission the road through Chile in the harsh Atacama Desert. The highway is actually two main roads that run north and south. One runs through the Andes themselves, running up and down the mountains and the valleys. The other road runs on the western coast of South America. Connecting these two main highways were several roads moving up and into the Andes that at times would even cross snow-covered peaks. Of course, a map of this road network is up on the website. From Barnabi Cobo. One of the things which I admired most in contemplating and noting down the affairs of this kingdom was to think how and in what manner they could have made such grand and admirable roads as we now see, and what a number of men would suffice for their construction, and with what tools and instruments they can have leveled the mountains and broken through the rocks to make them so broad and good as they are. Kobo was right. The Inca didn't use precise measuring equipment when making their roads, nor did they have horses like other areas of the world. But we also know that the lack of these tools didn't stop the Inca from constructing amazing buildings and infrastructure, so there was no reason that should stop them from constructing thousands of miles of roads. How the road was built depended upon the geographic location. Areas that were open and flat were typically just dirt that was clean of debris. In the Andes, it was typically cobbled stone. Another feature of roads is that the Inca engineers would do their best to make roads as straight as possible. If there was a marsh, they'd go right through it. If there was a stone in the way, the Inca would carve a path through that stone as well. The roads had to be built to withstand the natural forces of the Andes. Drainage canals were built under roadways similar to culverts that we see today. The Inca also designed hydraulic steps for this water. They understood that such a design dissipated the force of the water, which could erode a roadway if it was not controlled. The Inca also built retaining walls to keep the slope of the earth from falling onto the roadway. These walls were also designed like modern retaining walls, thicker at the bottom, as that was where most of the force was, and then tapering towards the top. Let's not forget, as with other forms of architecture the Inca built, these roads were built to awe. Every Sapa Inca is said to have ordered the roads rebuilt to be wider and more grand. This was obviously to enhance their power and prestige, but for those traveling on the road, having a wide, sturdy path flowing over Pachamama likely impressed the travelers. Roads varied in width between 10 and 15 feet typically, and were taken care of by local groups living in the area. To quote Koba once more, In time of the kings, 
It was kept clean so that there was neither a loose stone nor growing weed on it, for it was always kept in good order. With wide roads that were constantly maintained and kept in good order, it allowed for the army to move quickly over the Andes. Of course, there were areas where the terrain overpowered any possible road. These tended to be the rivers that cut deep through the mountain ridges. Over such gaps, bridges were constructed, the most popular being the rope or reed bridge. The material really depended upon the region, but the material would be tied and twisted around hundreds of times and as thick as a man's arm before the bridge was tied off. In the past, two bridges were built, one for the lords and another for commoners and soldiers. The care of these bridges was left to the local groups and the most important bridges were monitored and guarded. Thanks to at UK Dadventure, I've included a link to a BBC article in the show notes that covers the replacement of the Keswashka Bridge, which spans over the Apurimac River near Cusco. This bridge has been built and replaced by hand for over 600 years, and in 2013, it was designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I highly suggest checking out this link to the article in the show notes, as it will give you a visual of the construction of these bridges as it would have been done in the time of the Inca. Additional pictures of bridges and roads can, of course, be found at the website. While logs and boats made of reed were used in certain instances, a bridge wasn't even feasible everywhere. In this case, an oroya was used. This was essentially a basket system for crossing rivers and canyons. Ichu reed was woven into thick rope and tied at each bank. A basket was hung and the person seated in the basket pulled themselves across the river or canyon. As you can suspect, this wasn't a very efficient method of transferring a large number of people quickly, so I suspect that this was only used in certain cases. Along the Royal Highway were tambos, or inns that could be considered pit stops. These tambos were typically not large enough to house the entire army of the Inca, which usually camped in tents. It is more likely that tambos were used for pilgrimages to huacas prior to the rise of the Inca. They were kept stocked with supplies, staffed with mamacona, and it was the duty of the caraca in the area to ensure that there were plenty of both at the tambo. It is estimated that some 2,000 tambos were in the empire, primarily in the highlands, and they were around 20 and 40 leagues apart. This distance between tambos was carefully thought out as well, as llamas would willingly travel about 20 leagues a day. I want to go back to the topic of storage for a second. The Inca built storage units called colcas throughout the Andes as a way to store food and other supplies not only for the army, but for cities and towns as well. They were built on the slopes of the hills and on mountainsides, because they would be exposed to the wind, and this was important because ventilation was key to the preservation of the food stored inside. Some food items stored in colcas include maize, 
quinoa, chuno, beans, and other vegetables. Charqui, or dried llama meat, deer, and vicuna were also stored there. But we also know non-perishable goods were stored in colcas as well, including cloth, wool, cotton, feathers, shoes, weapons, and even seashells. However, colcas were more than just storage units. They were actually a testament to the wealth of the Inca. Money didn't exist in the Andes, just materials. Material wealth was able to be displayed to the Inca subjects or potential subjects to show them how much power the Inca wielded. And a large amount of material wealth meant that the Inca could harness the true currency of the Andes, labor. Seeing the amount of wealth the Inca possessed in their colcas let others know how much labor the Inca controlled and could call upon. And perhaps some of that labor could produce goods for their own group. Finally, we are going to cover the Chasqui system. Chasquis means he that receives, and they were runners that received and delivered messages via the road system. Two Chasquis were housed at a time in cholquias, or small hut structures along the road. Housed six to nine kilometers apart, a Chasqui would receive a message in the least amount of words necessary and commit it to memory before running to the next Cholquia to relay the message. The Chasqui would also carry a quipu at times, also containing the message. Now I mentioned the quipu last episode, and I just skimmed over it. And that was on purpose, I didn't want to take a detour at that moment to explain what it was during an episode where I wanted to focus on the military. But again, the quipu was a mnemonic device that consisted of knotted cord with various cords hanging off of that one. The cords were different colors, were knotted, and different directions the knot was tied in likely meant something different. Kipus were managed by Kipu Kamiaks, or official accountants of the empire. They were used to keep track of the inventory of all the storehouses in the empire. They likely also contained messages, and possibly even stories. And the reason I say likely is because quipus have never been fully deciphered. Not truly a surprise when there are hundreds of possible combinations on a quipu. We know enough to determine that they were used in inventorying certain goods and army sizes, but that is about it. And I should note that the Inca were not the first to come up with the quipu. There's evidence stretching back before the time of the moche that the quipu was used for inventorying goods. The Chasqui system was likely only on the main routes of the empire, and it was an extremely quick messaging system. The Sapa Inca would get reports constantly from Cusco while he was out on campaign. A message from Cusco to Quito only took 10 to 12 days. If the Sapa Inca wanted a fish, it took less than two days to get that fish from the coast to Cusco. The Spanish would discover that it would take them 12 to 13 days on horse to go from Lima to Cusco. The Chasqui system could do it in three. 
With their quick and efficient messaging system, the Sapa Inca could easily manage affairs back in Cuzco while conducting a campaign anywhere in the Andes. The Inca didn't invent the road system, but they modernized it and expanded it over the Andes and down to the coast. The roads, tambos, and chasqui system were key for the Inca to run a successful military campaign. It also allowed for the Sapa Inca to be informed at all times with what was happening in his empire. This entire system was used very well by the Incas, and it led them to many victories over numerous groups. Now that we've covered both the military and the infrastructure that would come to aid the Inca in their conquests, we will return to our narrative. Tupac Inca Yupanqui heads north through the Andes to gain experience and expand the borders of his father's empire. <laughs>